Welcome to Cinema Bushido. Matthew Whitaker here. With me, as always, is my better half, Mr. Lee Van Cleef. How's it going, Lee? I can hear the rocks glass a-tinkling. Uh, every day's a holiday, buddy. How are you doing today? You need, we need to get on that thing where we, you're going to get Rebel Reserve to send us a bottle per episode, and we just haven't accomplished it yet. I mean, either that or send them a ransom note. I'm not sure how we're going to go about it. All right. You know? I'm on it. Well, tonight we are diving into Bruce Lee's second turn as a leading man. Um, last time we did uh, what was the big boss, which was mislabeled as Fist of Fury and all of that nonsense. This is the 1972 low-way directed Fist of Fury, or as some of you might know it, I knew it growing up as the Chinese Connection. Uh, we have a very special guest this show. Uh, if you pay attention, it's the same guest we had last time we talked about Bruce Lee. Someone who is as passionate about Bushido films as we are. Um, I think it's a cliche to say it, but uh, it's somebody who's forgotten more about Bruce Lee and Bruce exploitation flicks than I've ever known personally. Uh, your second time back. Welcome uh, again, uh, actor, writer, director, producer, martial artist. And I wrote this one down, the Bruce Bruceploitation documentarian, Michael Worth. How's it going, oh, buddy? Wow, I can't even say that. That's pretty good. I'm good, man. I, yeah, I know. I had to, I didn't, I can't, I can't say I practiced it, but I did have to write it down. That's a tough word, that Bruce Bruceploitation. I, <laughs> I'm not even sure we ever spell it right, but yeah, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, it always pops up with the, the nice red bar under it to let me know that uh, I don't know if I've done it right. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, to start out, I wanted to ask you about your trip. Last time we talked, you were just about to take a trip to Hong Kong. Um, some of the Bruceploitation Bible documentation or docu documentary filmmaking. Uh, tell me all about it. Boy, it's so crazy how fast time goes. I can't believe the last time we talked was before that trip. Um, and we are now in a new year, but uh, it was great. It was amazing. I got to tell you, and you guys you know, who've been into these films for a long time can probably imagine when you have this stuff running through your veins and your brain cells, and, and then you actually go to the land where, where everything was shot and, and birthed. It's and meet the people that are actually in these films. It, it's it was mind blowing. I've I'm you know I live in Los Angeles. I work with celebrities all the time. I was the that was the first time I can remember ever being just starstruck was being out there, um, and it was a we were there for ten days and it was a whirlwind tour of Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Korea, uh, but it was great. You know, um, very enlightening. You know, part of our documentary deals with the the sort of aftermath of Bruce Lee and all the the films that that sought to sort of fill the void he left but it also part of our our approach was understanding what was happening to these films from the 1970s particularly in the even up into the 80s that were being made and at the time where preservation just wasn't a big big thing and they were just striking um, copies of these movies off the prints rather than creating interpositives or negatives off of the original prints and these films were just falling to the wayside they were just we'd bring the filmmakers out one of the filmmakers we met with was a guy named lee so nam who uh 
who's done a number of films that I don't know if you guys have seen, but probably some of your listeners have seen, like Hot, Cool, and Vicious, um, Challenge of Death, you know, um, Fist of Fury Part Two, uh, you know, relating to what we're talking about tonight. Anyways, we took him in a nutshell, for instance, to the Taiwan Film Institute, and we sat him down and let him watch one of his films, which was called Edge of Fury that Bruce Lai starred in. And he was just, he looked at the print and he looked over at us and we got it all on film and he just goes, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, it was, it was a great trip. Uh, I mean, it could go on forever talking about it, but I'll let you, if you have any specific questions, go ahead and ask. But it was, it was amazing. And I'm, we got so much stuff that uh, we're still shooting it. We still got another about a month or two, but it's all local LA and New York people now. Very cool. Well, one thing I'll say, anybody listening, um, you can go out. I think it's um, at uh, Bruce Exploitation Bible um, on Twitter. Is that the same thing on Instagram? Yeah, it's on. It's, God, it gets confusing, doesn't it? On Instagram, it's Bruce Exploitation Bible. There's a blog. There's the Bruce Exploitation blog that I do. That's actually right now. I'm writing a, a series on the trip, so you can read on it there. And then on Twitter, it's Bruce Lee Clones. Okay. Okay, perfect. And um, I, the reason I was bringing that up um, is it is nothing that is even slightly boring. It is the coolest stuff ever. First pictures from the trip, and then all of that memorabilia. I mean, it is so cool. I can't stop liking it. I've double-clicked sometimes just to re-like things. I'm like, that is so awesome. <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, no, no, yeah, I'm glad you glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, it was eye-opening. And, and i got to tell you something, connecting what we're talking about tonight it's amazing to still see to this day how Bruce Lee influences all those actors and filmmakers. It's crazy. That's so cool. That's yeah. so cool. Um, so I wanted to ask about another one of your films before we get going. Um, I've been keeping track um, out at uh, Grizzly Peak Films. Um, the Butterfly Guard. So you have two teasers out there. They both look awesome. Yeah. Um, we're actually uh, in post on that right now. It's uh, It's kind of a... I don't know if you guys saw The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke, but it's sort of a vibe like yeah. that where it deals with two two guys about the two martial arts guys that are it's the couple weeks before their fight and it's just about their two stories leading up to fighting each other and just what they go through. One guy's, okay. you know, at the end of his career, the other guy's just starting his career and, and it's really kind of a you know, a psychological drama with around martial arts. That's fantastic. Well, so I was looking at the butterfly guard and I saw your two teasers and I'm I was watching the first one and I'm like Holy shit, can that be right? And I, I, I went into pure geek mode here. So Tim Thomerson is one of my all-time favorite actors. <laughs> uh, so, good old Tim, yep. Yep, so I see that he's in that, and then I'm like, all right, well, let's take a look at this. And you have been working with him for a long, long time. Yeah, Tim's actually probably my closest friend out of anybody I've ever met in Hollywood. He's he I've known him for, God, like a decade now, and he is... The coolest, funniest guy. I've never had a better ab workout with any than hanging out with anybody because we laugh so much. But uh, yeah, he's uh, playing my dad in this movie. I love it. I love it. So um, I first saw him. It was like '83 or so. He in a drive-in movie theater. Um, the movie was Uncommon Valor. I don't oh, know if you ever. Yeah, yeah Gene, we talk was. about that film all the time. Yeah, had Gene Hackman, had Richard, uh, had uh, uh, Patrick Swayze. Um, it even had, uh, you'd love this, uh, Lee, it had uh, Tex Cobb, who uh, we know from uh, that um, 
that remake of the Zatoichi. What's it called? Blind Fury. Thank you. Yeah, it's a it's a great movie. And so I fell in love with Tim Thomerson. He eventually, um, I think if you have to ask him about this for me, but what it looks to me looked at his career, he was very serious um, about what he was doing. He was kind of the the kind of actor that that just you know he shows up in everything. But um, he ended up doing Trancers for Full Moon Features, mm-hmm. and that was kind of serious. Like it sure it was funny, but I think it had a pretty good budget. And uh, I don't know if he just made good friends with Charles Band or what, but he ended up doing Dollman and he did Nemesis and he did all of these just weird 80s, 90s films. And you could see that what made them so great and what made him so great in them is he's such a serious guy and he brings such a badass, you know, uh, persona to it. And he plays these like ridiculous things like a man the size of a doll that has to fight aliens. Well, it was kind of cool that right before I went to Hong Kong, actually, Charlie Band and Tim and um, Andy Robinson all were going to a place just to do a little reunion out at a comp like a comic store out in uh, Burbank. And and then uh, Helen Hunt showed up, too, at the last minute. So it was cool. It was all a transfer <laughs> reunion. So it was great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, awesome. Um then I, let's see. I was going to ask you about one other thing around there because I noticed. Oh yeah, there's a movie, and I got to see the trailer for it. It's called "Bring Me the Head" of Lance Hendrickson, <laughs> and it's something that you put together. And it looks like it's been on the back burner for a long time, but it sounds like a hilarious premise. Uh, any well, it's, hope? Yeah, of- it's almost at the last stretch. We it, it was a very long project, kind of like a boyhood of of <laughs> of ageism in Hollywood. You know, we shot it over a number of years, and it's just, um, and it was basically done documentary improv style. There wasn't a real script, and I, I tried to get all the, the talented actors I've known over the years to come participate in it, from Robert Patrick and Martin Cove and Lance Henriksen and Adrian Barbeau, and, and just brought them in, and nobody knew what they were doing, because I wanted to play as close to reality as I could possibly take it. And uh, and it took me probably a good two years to even edit it because it was just so much footage, so much improv. The direction of it was going so many different places, but uh, it's great. It's a really, really cool piece. I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm really glad it's finally getting out and uh, I'll keep you posted on it as, we, come, as it come, we know the release dates. Okay, that sounds cool. And yeah, John Saxon in there, uh, as uh, yep. as was Lee's uh, favorite dude from End of the Dragon. And then um, I noticed Art Lafleur, who was another guy from Trancers. Uh, I think he's just hilarious. Good old Art, yeah. Yeah, I stuck a <laughs> couple of uh, Stallone's foils in there, you know, since uh, Tim was with <laughs> Rhinestone, Art was in Cobra, Marty Cove was in Rambo, you know, so I was keeping them going. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, well, yeah, so let's keep going. Um this we are uh, once again talking about Fist of Fury. Um, there's no plural on that. Um, I made that mistake for years, calling it Fist of Fury, and I think that was still part of the American transposition of the two titles to just completely screw us over. Right. Um, this is a interesting flick because it um, it has a plot, and the plot is something it feels very traditional to kind of an old Chinese movie. Like okay, there's these Chinese people and they they're gonna you know having bad relations with the Japanese and a teacher dies and his best student comes to town and it's time to to figure out what the heck happened a little bit of mourning and a little bit of ass kicking and um it had James Tin again um like uh in uh Big Boss um uh the girl I can't think of her name right now um but she was the girl yeah yeah she did the uh she she's in Way of the Dragon and she plays a big part and she's very cute but she played just like a really bit part right in uh, Big Boss. 
this was her first really big lead actually this this particular this film here so yeah okay. but you're right she was the, the 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 drink server in the big boss <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i saw her in the big boss this like the last time when i watched it before we did the last podcast and it had been a while and i'm like oh holy cow this is the one that has nora in it i'm like yeah, okay cool and then of course we barely see her and it was that completely other actress that was the lead so i was like okay well whatever maybe my brain's gone bad uh, you know, as as a kid, my favorite was always Enter the Dragon. You know, the whole you know secret agent. Uh, I thought the Lee's sort of charisma in that movie and just the dynamism of the whole thing was just it was always my favorite. But as I've gotten older, I've come to look at his films. You know, you know, look at the the four point three films that he did, and um, I think this one, if there was one that encapsulated the best of cinema it was it's this one and i mean by the best of cinema is i think from a standpoint of cinematography to editing to and and not not to say like you know you were just talking about that the story is the greatest story on the face of the earth but just the approach uh to this film comparatively to his others the big boss way of the dragon enter the dragon and of course you know even game of death i think this one really stands out as being one of the the best looking um and even thought out film of his like you can sit and and sometimes study the framing and tell that it's it was very planned out you know and the big boss for instance which had the same director and granted they're off in thailand who knows how terrible the conditions were you kind of get a sense a, a feel that the camera work was a little more shoddy they were just throwing it up handheld sometimes just dropping it where they needed to drop it but this film is definitely back in you know in hong kong has a lot more thought to it and it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly why maybe because uh, low ray who's the director and he did the big boss this is definitely his best film you can sit and watch you know another 10 of his movies and they never quite live up to this gloss that this film has and and it, which is kind of true of robert klaus who directed enter the dragon you watch his other films like jim cotta or force five or you know black belt jones and you you go it, it's kind of interesting that both their bruce lee films ended up being their best so in a nutshell uh, this film has has grown on me more than any of other lee's films and i still to this day will watch it sometimes for some of the camera work and the editing because i, I think it's the best examples for his movies yeah, it was way, way better. I mean, the quality of, of filming for one year later from The Big Boss. The Big Boss looked like, I mean, the worst video camera, and they were just in <laughs> dirt all the time, and the plot was barely a plot, right? Like, okay, how, how can we make this into a plot? And we know we now know it's based on a true story, but if you would have paid me money at the time to believe it, I wouldn't. I mean, we've got these drugs and ice cubes at this place, and <laughs> there's this yeah. jerky boss that cuts people up with a, a ice cutting saw, and <laughs> oh, just absolutely nuts. Um, so I agree with both of you, actually. So I could see that. I did feel like a lot of the times I was looking at a set, like uh, especially when they showed kind of the the alleyway that was to lead to the Japanese dojo. It was like perfect. It was it was like all like pristine concrete and uh, and all of that. But um, what I liked about this is it had a, a really cheesier comedy element than maybe the Big Boss, like. Um, <laughs> we had uh, who the interpreter, and he was absolutely what um, what uh, what's his name was trying to do in Kung Pao. I mean, he's like, <laughs> like I'm here, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you guys, like I'm taunting you, and he just, it was the worst little laugh. I mean, I could not help but but just giggle. 
And then um, this one, there were actual disguises. I mean, he has uh, yeah. his old man disguise, and he had his uh, uh, he was a paper boy or whatever, and he he was the telephone repair guy, and uh, nobody could tell it's it's Bruce underneath those glasses. I just I, I laughed a lot at that and. Uh, Stuff like he, he, the first time he kills those uh, the guys, he kills uh, the chef and and some other dude. Like literally, like the two scenes later, he's he's like living out by the river, eating roadkill or something that he had killed and cooked on some fire by the side of the road. I'm like, what the hell is going on with this film? <laughs> well, actually, that guy just on a, on a note on the Big Boss, one of that cook was the Big Boss from the last movie. Mm. He's I also, did not catch that. Yeah, he's also billed as the choreographer for both films. But when you watch both films, you can just tell that Lee's hand was, you know, in the choreography probably more than his was, you know. But uh, that that was him, yeah. And that reminds me, um, I have a note here. He's like my favorite guy, but it's the guy from The Big Boss. It's the short, chubby dude that played like his brother or cousin or whatever in uh-huh. The Big Boss. Yeah, yeah, he's in this again. And he looks a little like Droopy the dog. And he's always like kind of an aw shucks. And <laughs> I just love that guy. He was the one that shamed the hell out of Bruce Lee when he was trying to eat his bowl of rice. That, you know, yeah. oh, you're the big man now because you're hanging out in the whorehouse and stuff. <laughs> and he didn't want to eat his rice anymore. Anyway, I think his name, and you may be, maybe I confused himself, but his name is Lee Kwan. I know yeah, you're talking very about. Yeah, and he was in. He yeah. He was in. He was also in Way of the Dragon as well. Okay. Yeah. He's a he, he's a very funny guy. So right when I saw him, I'm like, yes, you know, it's awesome. Um. In fact, the um, the, the majority of the actors from the Big Boss are also in this. Like you said, James Chan's and Tony Liu's in this one. Nora Mao's back in this, the Big Boss. So they they pretty much just imported a bunch of them over, and then the same ones popped up in way of the dragon as well uh the the chinese workers at the restaurant in fact in this film one of the other actors that uh, worked on it, his name is unicorn chan he's billed as and he's actually bruce lee's childhood friend they've known each other since you know they were kids and um at the time they did this it was during the time they were doing way of the dragon he was doing his own film called fist of unicorn that kind of ended up being the sort of the death blow to their relationship because Bruce Lee agreed to come on and and shoot. I think we might have been talked about a little bit of, of this last time, but he came in to choreograph the fight scenes for Unicorn. And then, of course, they filmed him choreographing some of the fights and hanging out on set. And then when the movie came out, they advertised it as if Bruce Lee was in it and the star of it and put some of those film clips in it. No, <laughs> oh, nice. I, I heard a little bit about that because Bruce Lee had some... Um childhood nickname as well that sounded sort of um, mythical like that. I, I don't know what it was, but it, when I heard about the unicorn thing, it was in the same article. They, they kind of made that comparison. Yeah. So this, this movie had, like in the last, uh, like in The Big Boss, a lot of those big, um, over-the-top kung fu scenes. And in particular, uh, there's the part, it's, it's a, such a great scene where they have the camera above Bruce Lee and he's in the Japanese dojo and they surround him and, and the music is perfect for it because it, it creates this tension and everyone around him starts moving and it was really well done. So he starts kicking everybody's asses. It's freaking wonderful. And then at one point he has like the two lead Japanese fighters in his hands and he's swinging around in a circle so fast they become these, these dummies, you know, these mannequins in the air and they're smacking other people in the face. What do you think? Over the top scenes? Well, and you know what, that, that, there's really only two or three beats in that movie and that's particularly one of them where they actually kind of get out of the sort of, 
semi-realism that the film tends to follow you know he picks also uh, bruce lee picks up the rickshaw at one point and like tosses it you know what i mean there's another moment like that um and, and uh, but outside of that if you would actually remove those couple of beats that that sort of hit those kind of crazy almost false notes the movie plays pretty straight in terms of the fighting outside of the fact that you know bruce lee's you know killing 90 people in it um but yeah that that dummy scene uh that's a great one. Oh yeah <laughs> Well, I, you know what? I think what Lee was doing here is one of his films that he liked in, in life, that he, a samurai film he liked, was called Sword of Doom. And um, you guys, it's definitely one you want to watch. Uh, oh, we, we love the Sword of Doom. Okay, so you've seen it. Well, then that's, that's who the Tadashi Nakadai character, uh, Tatsuya Nakadai character from Sword of Doom, is who I think Lee is trying to emulate here. And when he, so the idea is, is he's, I mean, it's essentially the character he played in the big boss at the at picking up at the end, you know, where he sort of throws his bag into the river and like loses his mind to killing everybody. That's who this Lee is. And so he's sort of doing, if you watch him in this and he doesn't do it in any other movie, he's got this sort of drunken sort of almost crazy look about him the whole time. And that's him, I think, just giving into this idea that he's just been, you know, possessed by rage and all he wants to do is kill these Japanese people, you know? Right. Did you notice he won't stop shaking in this one? Like, every time you see him, he's so enraged that his body is physically shaking. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of their... That, the moment, the back to his over-the-top moment when he kills the, the chef, you know, with that punch and it's all in slow motion. He sits there and he's just... And the guy's slowly falling while Lee just stands there with the fish shake. That's, that's such a cool shot. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, oh, okay. So the kick cam, that was another one of my favorites. I had to take a note of that because I don't think I've ever seen that before quite the same way. But we have a camera that's following Bruce Lee coming at you and his foot is literally kicking you. That would have been perfect for the 3D era. Oh, yeah. And then Eastwood goes on to do it later in his movies. You know, he punches the camera every which way. But right. Least, yeah, absolutely. You know. um, so I wanted to ask you, as uh, somebody who studied martial arts uh, for a lot of your life, what do you think of kicks? I've, I've seen you do a lot of kicks. Are kicks efficient? Like, I, f- I feel like um, I, I've never been able to do one myself in any kind of effective way, even if it's a can in the street. So I'm lost. Well, they they are. I mean, if you if you train them and and study them, there's nothing like mystical about it. It's just that it's a longer weapon than your arm, and it's a stronger weapon. So if you can train your legs to be dexterous enough to 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 you know kick and find the different angles. It, in fact, it's really interesting if you if you've watched the UFC over the years up until about five or six years ago, like right before Anderson Silva kind of came into the into the foray he um nobody was kicking really they were just all doing jujitsu and wrestling and some some striking suddenly some people started coming in like machida and these guys that knew kicks and they were kicking people and knocking everybody out and suddenly because i think there was a sort of a joke like kicks were like ah old school karate old school kung fu and then some people came in said well you know how to do them it's gonna f you up and that's exactly what what happened so i think what's um if you use them effectively and there's and believe me i've seen them used in street fights before and you can you can mess up if you're fighting somebody that knows what they're doing and you don't know what you're doing because you throw your leg up it takes that much longer to you know throw the technique so somebody can grab you or get behind you or whatever so there's always a risk with it but um yeah ever since the early days when i tried to emulate um chuck norris of all people and i can't wait till we do the next one of these and we get to watch him get killed in the in the oh, coliseum yeah. <laughs> i tried to do the roundhouse kick and it never worked 
<laughs> I get my ass kicked. It's totally not the way I expected it to happen. <laughs> practice. That's it, baby. Just practice. Well, and they actually on that note, what's interesting about this film is Robert Baker, who plays the Russian, the guy you were talking about a minute ago, he was actually a student of Bruce Lee's in Oakland. So they, they he was actually Bruce brought him over to be in this film. And uh, he um, he's like one of the first times you'll see in a, in a Hong Kong action film, a Westerner throwing kicks was the, in this film. One of my favorite things about watching Bruce Lee uh, and the um, Wing Chun style is when they get close and they're they're doing that um, massive repeated punching business. Oh, it's my favorite thing. I just I get chills fighting Bob Baker. There's a little bit of that hand, a uh, little bit of that pox style. Bob. He, he does it a little bit more clearly in uh, Enter the Dragon when he's fighting O'Hara when they're standing up in the middle of the, the field. You'll see him do a couple of really cool um, Wing Chun moves there, but uh, he does a bit in here. But when he kits him in the throat, I mean, did not everybody else yell Chun Wei? Yeah, that was a pretty brutal. In fact, I, I got to tell you, that's my favorite fight scene, I think, of Bruce Lee's movies is that one with Bob Baker. Yeah. yeah, clearly, I mean, I haven't seen them all, so I can't say that yet, but I got to say that's my favorite so far is when he hits him in the throat, I was just... And it was fast. It was really it wasn't like when he's fighting the guy who have like fries with that. It was like legit. Like it was a real fight scene. Hey, listen. Yeah. Any Russian, French, whatever he was, bastard that takes off his jacket and then starts slapping his little uh, uh, what do you call him the suspenders? The, the suspenders, right? I'm like, murder him, murder him in the field and make him drink that pond water because he's got he's it's Mork and Mindy time here and I'm not playing. Well, the other thing about this movie to keep in mind, too, is of all of his films, this one resonated the most with the Chinese at the time because, you know, obviously you've got this oppression with the Japanese, etc. But this, you're also dealing with Ho Yun Jia, who is the teacher in the story. And, and Ho Yun Jia is the, the, the master that dies before the movie opens. He's been portrayed many times in different films, particularly since this movie. And he's, in he, and, and many ways, he also sort of, in a strange sort of flipping, represents Bruce Lee. Like the, he's a, he was a, a famous martial arts teacher. He died 10 years later. He died when he was 42, but he died under mysterious circumstances. Poison was always rumored to be the reason why he died, which is another one of the, the, the rumored ways that Bruce Lee died. Um, and so there's a really interesting fusion of those two characters. So that this movie, in a sense, has a lot of impact still but back then when it came out was with the sick men of asia sign that that was presented to them at the beginning really drove like that at that point trust me when when bruce went into that first japanese studio and and beat the crap out of all the well they were all chinese (laughs) actors you know beat beat them all up the the crowds just were on their feet because it was like this is what they, they this is what they wanted to say you know I love uh, I love the way that they um, they made sure you knew it was Japanese. It's of of course the geese, but then the big mustache, right? It's like <laughs> okay, yeah. So I was thinking, each kind of what you were saying around the story. The story did not ring true to me at all, um, but it's only because I could I, I watched it in the way that I could see it would ring true to the people that they were making the film for, right? Like he's fr- first off at the end, right? He's going to give up his freedom to make sure that the the um, the school stays open. And on top of that, he's, of course, uh, they're about to walk him out, and there's other guys with guns, and he uh, jumps in the air and gets shot to death. It's like, 
like some, they must have thought, well, that is the way to go out where I'm just like, no, Bruce, just wait till you get the right moment and kill them all with your awesome skills. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. Well, that, the, it is, the, the teacher was really did, he really existed. That school, actually, that very school, the, the Qingwu School, which is what they're representing in the movie, is, still exists in Shanghai today. Um, so, I mean, but the, the, the story that you're watching, Fist of Fury, is obviously a dramatized idea of right. there, was, there yeah. was a student, I forget the guy's name, that did go around, who was a student of Ho Yun Jia, saying that he was poisoned. And most people are like, no, no, it was natural causes that Chen Chen, the character that Lee's playing, was based on. But, uh, you know, but there is some a lot of truth. Uh, I should say true to the overall structure of this rather than the story itself. Agreed. Um, the most memorable scene from when I was a kid and I saw this at the drive-in was, of course, the no Chinese or dogs in the park or whatever. And I just thought, what the hell? Like, that just it broke my brain as a kid. I'm like, what? And then, of course, they let the dog in. Uh, it's okay, but the Chinese guy can't. I'm like, that's not a Chinese guy. That's Bruce Lee. He's going to get you. And that actually is was based on reality because there was a park that that was one of the few actually scenes that was shot in an ex- exterior, and that was shot in Macau as well. They they shot a few scenes in Macau because it still had some of this old feeling. You go outside, and it would still look like it could pass for the early 1900s. Um, but that actually park did exist. I don't know if it was Shanghai where it existed or Macau or where it really was at the time. But the um, the guy that comes up to Bruce Lee. And says to him, you know, oh, no, you want to go in there, walk on your hands and knees. That's Yun Wa. And Yun Wa is part of, you know, Jackie Chan's team. He was also in Enter the Dragon. Um, he's the stunt double for Lee in all the flips. Every time you see Lee doing a flip, that was Yun Wa doing it. And that, but that was his appearance in the movie, actually. You're killing my top six. Oh, which, which is, which is <laughs> I think that's two down. I'm going to have to just go for them anyway, but we'll oh, see. Man. I'll have to take certain ones and, and force them on to Lee and uh, give you ones that you haven't already answered well, to see I if we can it, make it. if I don't say it, then I probably don't know it, so it's probably good. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, are you guys ready to jump into the top six? Sure. All right, so, you know, this is just where these are for fun. Um, Lee always loses, <laughs> but they are for fun anyway. <laughs> He's actually won like four times at this point. But I answer with such certitude. Certitude. You got to just answer quickly. Don't even think about it. I like it when you take like a two-minute pause and then you answer with like the dumbest answer ever. Still get it wrong. All right, guys, here we go. We got the top six answers on the board. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Okay, so I'm going to actually start. Let's see. It it still should be in good shape. I'm going to start with number one. This one's going to you, Michael. Um, So this is, accordingly, the first movie of all time to show what? And I'm leaving it that vague because it's kind of a big one. Uh, Well, I'm going to see if 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 you're going where I think it is. Is the new Chaku? Yes, oh, it is. Yep, and, um, accordingly. Boom, 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 which was awesome, oh, number one. Yeah, accordingly, this is the first film, not only where Bruce Lee wielded one, but it's like, uh, accordingly, it hadn't been used in a film up to that point, It only in uh, The Green Hornet. So That's true. It was using The Green Hornet. I was going to bring that up because he did pull it out in the, the one episode the praying, called Praying Mantis that he used it in um, with Mako. Um, but there, there, and I don't know this for a fact, so we're going to stick with your story, but there was a film apparently made the year before where somebody that, that it was featured in or used in, but I don't know if it ever got like flung around. 
So we're going to have to stick with it being, it certainly was made famous here, and this may be the first time it was actually spun around and hit somebody with, but uh, good Listen, one. Michael, if it's on the internet, it's real, yeah, and it's right. true. It's true. <laughs> good point. Yeah. All right, Lee, you're up. Um, All right, buddy. This one, is, yeah, okay. What were the Chinese Wushu students called by their rivals? Right there in the beginning. The sick men of Asia? Yeah, yeah, the sick men of Asia. All right, so that's one and one Which in the film. Bruce Lee's character history to it. It has a, it actually that term was really used with the teacher, apparently by a Russian fighter that he was going to fight um, back in the day, and called him called the Chinese the sick man of Asia. And Don't steal my that thunder. Thing. That's oh, <laughs> is that be? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's exactly what I was going to say. So thank you very much. Uh, hey, this is expected. So I mean, if you weren't telling us our facts and telling us more, like I I've watched the Green Hornet when I was a kid, but uh, it was beautiful to me that you not only knew what episode, but exactly who he was fighting when he, he brought out those nunchucks. It's beautiful stuff. So don't worry, Michael. I'm just giving you a hard time. But okay, you pretty please. much had word for word my text about the real life Guo <laughs> okay. Yan. That's funny. Yeah, very nice. All right, number three, this is for you, Michael. Um, this one is really easy, um, but it's well, sort of one I'm not going to get. So it's sort of subjective to me. Um, there was another majorly improbable stunt. There's actually a bunch of them in this flick, but it solidified Bruce's stance to never work with Lo Wei again. Name the most ridiculous of all of them. Uh, of the stunts that he, and, you did? know, of the things that he oh, had oh, to be over the top. My God, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to guess it's going to be the dummies. <laughs> See, you're playing off me because I said it earlier, but that's not it. That oh. rickshaw. Oh, he, the rickshaw one. Yeah, yeah, it was he, a toss-up. Those uh, are the two, yeah. It was so stupid. He held the rickshaw up in the air. That's why I didn't go off on it earlier because I oh, knew it was he, one of my he questions. Was, he, he gets that. He mentioned it. He mentioned the rickshaw. Right, but yeah, oh, it, it was, was a good, so... good question, which was the one that pissed him off more. I guess that was it. <laughs> Accordingly, that was it. He, um... Him lifting up the rickshaw and having to hold it in the air. Because you know that one, he couldn't even, like, play it up, right? He had to, like, stand there while they made, like, some wooden contraption that would make it look like he was the strongest man in the world or something. (laughs) The strength Kurt Russell. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Number four. This one's for you, Lee. Uh, This one would have been easy for Michael, so that's just why you get it. How many sequels were made of this movie? I'm going to say two. You were close. Oh. It's three. Okay. There was the new Fist of Fury, the Fist of Fury 2, and Fist of Fury 3. It's all the way Bloodsport all over again. God yeah. damn it. And you guys, you know what, though? <laughs> though I'll tell you something. The, that's the, there's, you're right. New Fist of Fury was Jackie Chan. Fist of Fury 2, which was shot at the same time, they were actually competing sequels. They were done at the same time. starred Bruce Lai. Now, both oh, no of the kidding. films actually had different actors from the original movie they both like uh new fist of fury with jackie chan had nora mao in it the other ones had some of the other actors they did do fist of fury 3 but there were uh there was a couple other films that they did that were like these loose sequels to them one was called revenge of fury another was called bruce bruce and the shaolin kung fu which is about bruce lee's cousin hears about the death of bruce lee and goes to the you know so there were some loose sequels but you're right that the three official sort of sequels two of them which were part both part twos so there you go that's terrific all right that's in the great info um number five this one is back to you again uh michael uh, let uh, me make sure good. yeah 
Yeah, that was Lee. So you guys are tied right now. Uh, one and two, you each got them. Three and four. Um, I'm not giving them over. So number five, this is for you, Michael. Can you name a film that was written by Bruce Lee and was made into a movie, but it was far after his death? Yes, The Silent Flute. Yes, turned indeed. into Circle of Iron with uh, David Carradine. And then the script... The silent flute still is out there. Somebody's trying to make it still because it's more, you know, to be more accurate to to Lee's um, original script. But it's still, they're still trying to work on getting it done. Yeah, Circle of Iron has like two stars. I've seen it a number of times and I've always loved it. Um, I always loved um, Carradine. I just thought it was like really well done. Even the stupid main character, he's kind of like a a big beast of a man. He's, He's pretty good throughout it. Um, that said, I remember it, I, I saw it probably in 78 or around there, um, drive-in mm-hmm. movie time. And I think someone like my dad told me this this fabricated story about how Bruce Lee wanted to do it, but they wouldn't let him, and they got Carradine instead, just like Kung Fu, we, the TV show and all this stuff. And, of course, now to realize Bruce Lee had been dead for, you know, <laughs> six Well, yeah, what's interesting, actually really cool about it, you can look it up online, is that Lee was, they, him and, it was going to be him and James Coburn. And Sterling Siliphant was going to help write the script, I think, at the time. And he, who's, who's written, like, The Towering Inferno and Poseidon Adventure, etc. And he knew Bruce Lee from the Longstreet series that, that Sterling Siliphant had written. But Bruce Lee actually went to India with James Coburn. And you can find these photos online. And they were out there taking pictures of locations. So they started to actually put that film together. And then it just it fell apart. And, and such was the case. And they moved on. But... Uh, it got it started getting into the phase of getting made. Yeah. Well, what did you think of Circle of Iron? Um, I, from a historical standpoint, I, as a kid, I loved it because it was like you know you, any martial arts movie you loved. You know what I mean? It's just because somebody got kicked in the head. Uh, yeah, and today, had the monkey people and all that yeah, weird stuff. Well, I love Eli Wallach and the thing of oil trying to like burn his, his <laughs> genitalia off. You know, and it just yeah. it's so bizarre. You know, but it's just like now from a '70s perspective, I just love it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, wait. Well, this one is for you, Lee. Um, can you guess who stunt doubled? This one's going to be kind of easy. Can you guess who stunt doubled for Suzuki when he got massively kicked the fuck out of the window and halfway across the property and died on the ground like a dog? I'm going to channel my inner Michael Worth. Ah, that oh, would be awesome. Think bigger. Think bigger. Jackie Chan. You can do it. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> yeah, he gave it to I, me. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Of all of all scenes, I know Jackie Chan was in a number of them. He has like two scenes that he's in, like you can yeah. see him, and he wasn't really credited. Uh, yeah, I love how these days they always say, and you know, special guest with Jackie Chan, but I don't think that was necessarily the case because Jackie wasn't that big yet, right? He actually credits that moment, that actual kick when he flew out that window to him being the known stuntman that he was. They said that when he... He the, he's likes to say they bought me drinks that night because it was so impressive and everybody was sort of like okay you you did it you finally did the big stunt that now you're one of us and so that was kind of a a big moment for him you know and he okay. impressed Bruce too like apparently Bruce was like you know became his bud after that that's cool I imagine in real life he's a very funny guy all right so that means you guys are tied um, that's uh, two and two and yep that's that's that I have a question you guys could leave this as a tie if you want but if one of you wants this very obscure question if one of you wants this very obscure question I'll give it to you and if you manage to get it you could be the winner oh wow let's hear an obscure question all right so 
This is um, a popular actor known for his bad, I consider very good movies, is also a practitioner of Jeet Kune Do. Can you guess who that person is? Wow. He's a, is he still alive? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's still making bad, good movies. Bad, but he still practices Jeet Kune Do. He's practices Jeet Kune Do. God, boy. That's a good one. Let's hear it. It is Nicolas Cage. What? Nicolas Cage. Oh, my God. <laughs> Practices, gee, I wonder who he studied from. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Accordingly, it's that and karate. So, oh, karate. hilarious. Well, you said that right. All right. Well, we're going to finish this off. Um, Michael, always awesome. I can't wait till we do the next one. I'm looking forward to doing the next one where we do Way of the Dragon. And we, uh, like I said, we get to talk about the cat in the Coliseum. Oh, good. <laughs> we I, uh, we covered a, a bit. Anything else uh, you wanted to throw out that you're working on? or? Uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, we talked about earlier, just finished up the Bruceploitation uh, documentary or half of it. We're finishing some shooting here in L.A. Um, I, I got uh, the Sugar Moon Tribe in, in the can and Butterfly Guard and Bring Me the Head of Lance Henriksen should be popping up uh, later this year. And, uh, you know, you can just follow me on those silly uh, social media sites and I'll keep you keep you updated on everything. Yeah. Awesome, and I will have all of those listed um, at cinemabushido.com under this episode notes. It's really kind of like right there with everything else, so you can get to uh, the Instagram and the um, uh, Twitter feeds for the Bruceploitation Bible, and Michael, yours as well. So, I mean, your regular one, so people who want to see the behind-the-scenes stuff that you're working on can check that out as well. Okay. I was going to ask Michael, um, who was your favorite actor on the trip there? Well, there's two two that really stood out for me, and one was actually Dragon Lee. Okay. Dragon Lee, who was like, as a kid, was my favorite, you know, like martial arts guy outside of Bruce Lee. And, and so I was kind of like hesitant at first. I was like, oh, guy, he's going to burst my bubble. He's going to be a jerk. And he ended up being the coolest, nicest, put together guy. It was just the greatest. Um, so he, he he's one of them. And then the other one that was really interesting to talk to was uh, Mars. Mars is a stunt man. If you look him up, you'll see he's been in a million Jackie Chan films. He was actually an extra in Enter the Dragon. Really sweet, sweet, sweet guy. And uh, took us around after the interview and showed us all the spots he used to film movies in. And just a real nice guy. But uh, like I was saying at the beginning of this, that it was I was the, the first time in my life I've ever been starstruck is going out there and working with these guys. So looking forward to bringing some of their stories, uh, bringing their stories to you. Thanks a lot for joining me. It's a, it's always a pleasure. Uh, wealth of knowledge it's so cool to hear about uh, all of the stuff uh, the little the little tidbits it's like having footnotes to everything so thanks a ton wow that's great no no my pleasure your wealth of curiosity i i love it and so i just you know come back anytime but it's i I love listening i've been catching up on your shows and they're great and just keep up the good work and i'll uh, i'll be around so just let me know all right thanks a lot talk to you soon all right my friend bye